Good day and welcome to Our Power is Within. I'm your host, Chasmith, and I am on a mission. My mission is to inspire people to take their power back and realize that each and every one of us has a healer within our own self when we can create an environment that supports healing and get out of our own way. We are truly capable of healing in mind, body, and soul. If you feel inspired to share this message, I would be forever grateful. Some simple ways to help me is by leaving a review on Apple Podcast or sharing your favorite episode from this year on your social media and tag me on Instagram at our power is within. Today is a long episode, but with a twist. It is the last episode of 2020, so why not change it up, right? So to make sure I try and respect your time and not make this any longer than it already is, I will keep the weekly challenge short and sweet and a little different from most of our challenges. Today, I am encouraging each of you, myself included, to sit down with a pen and paper and write out all of the great things that came out of 2020, even the smallest of reasons to be grateful. And really just sit with that list and soak in the good. Allow yourself to acknowledge that despite hardships or trying times, there is often always a bit of good when we are looking for it. So much of our life experience is perspective. If you decide to share any of this good on social media, please tag me so that I can celebrate with you. And even if you decide to keep it private, just know that I'm celebrating with you no matter what. And so like I said, today has a twist. My guest today is Valerie from Podcast Valerie's Revival. I, however, was also her guest, and today the roles are somewhat reversed, and Valerie actually asks me the questions, and I answer them, though it does actually really end up just leading into a conversation between us two girls about everything, neuroplasticity, healing, mindset, and transforming limiting beliefs into empowering beliefs. Valerie's podcast tagline is get inspired to take your power back. (laughs) So as you can probably gather, we have a similar passion, which is why when we connected, we just knew we needed to have a chat together. Valerie is also on her own chronic illness recovery journey and actively engaged in a neuroplasticity based healing program. So let's go ahead and shift gears into mine and Valerie's chat today. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Valerie's Revival. I'm here with the beautiful Chasmith from Our Wellness Within. Chaz, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Um, yeah, I'm Chasmith, and it's actually Our Power is Within. <laughs> our Power is Within. Uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, which um, is awesome because it's so similar to your tagline, and it's a podcast to inspire people to take their power back. Yes, definitely. And I love that. And I love especially that um, your podcast and my podcast pretty much focuses on neuroplasticity, chronic illness, and basically our journeys with using different neuroplasticity techniques or different neuroplasticity programs 
So do you want to kind of just um, tell us a little bit about your podcast and like what got you into wanting to do the podcast and what kind of inspired you for it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's funny because I actually, oh my gosh, I have wanted to start a podcast for so many years and I kept just putting it on the back burner and, you know, for so many years, I didn't know exactly what I wanted it to be about. I just knew that I, I'm by nature born with curiosity and I love asking questions and I feel like, wow, this is amazing. I get to like meet all these really fantastic, cool people that are so wise and ask questions and have conversations and then share it with the world. And um, it was pretty early on when I started studying um, DNRS, Dynamic Neural Retraining System, which is a brain retraining program, that I had started to connect the dots because prior to that, I had also studied um, tension myoneural syndrome, which is um, short or long for TMS, uh, which is the work of Dr. Sarno, Dr. John Sarno. And then just in general for years, I've been studying the connection of the mind and the body and learning about the brain's role in chronic pain and illness. And so as I was connecting all these dots, I just had this like really strong, passionate idea that the podcast needed to be a platform that brought everything together into one place and kind of created this space to educate, share, and inspire people to take healing into their own hands and to just know that we are all self-healers and we all have the capacity to heal because our bodies want to be well when we get out of our way, basically, and support create support that our body and our brain needs to allow healing. So I let it simmer for a while and I had a limiting belief playing in the back of my head that I wasn't healed enough or healthy enough to do it until I finally realized that this was just another limiting belief that I got to rewire around and that the best way I could possibly start to overcome that limiting belief amongst many others was to just jump in and begin. So here I am, <laughs> 13 or 14 episodes in. Wow, that's amazing. And congrats, honestly. I'm I'm getting there. I think you're my 12th episode, so I'm catching up to you there. But uh, congrats with everything that you've done with your podcast and pre pretty much all the work that you're doing. I love when people spread awareness of neuroplasticity and the way that our brain is literally able to change itself and that the brain is so malleable because I mean, from my personal experience with chronic illness to being told by doctors, like, sorry, you know, just go ahead and live with it, or this is going to be your new normal for the rest of your life. I knew it was something that I definitely didn't want to have be my new normal. So um, it's, it took a lot of courage for me to also try to look outside. And I know that's where you and I both discovered um, Lindsay from Vital Side. And um, she's been like, a blessing in my life. She's been amazing. And a lot of her techniques actually really help calm down my nervous system. And it's kind of crazy because I feel like, I don't know if you feel the same, but I feel like a lot of people 
um, don't really understand that neuroplasticity can change your brain and that neuroplasticity can help you heal from chronic illnesses. And I, I wonder too, why it's um, not really talked about a lot. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I yeah I mean I guess it's funny because when you're in this community and where you immerse yourself in all the other people in this community it is talked about so much but outside of our community you're right it's not not yet um now definitely more than ever before but when you really do think about it, it I feel in general it kind of takes um mainstream a while to catch up and catch on to things and when you think of neuroplasticity and the mal, mal I can't even say that word um, malleability of our brain it's such a it's still a really new topic I mean this is their understanding of our brain is advancing still and constantly and in general I feel like the body and the brain is such a an ever-evolving um, area of study. And so I feel like since it's kind of only been really, really, really popular, I mean, when did they start? I'm going to probably get dates wrong, but I would say it'd been about 30 years that they really have been understanding the neuroplasticity and the potential for our brain to adapt even as an adult. Mm -hmm. And um, and more so even in the last 10 years where they've really emphasized and started to connect the dots with uh, healing and our body's capacity to heal. So I just think it's going to take time for mainstream to catch up and catch on. But in some regard, I don't know, I have some very interesting thoughts because when you can teach people to take their power back and when people can learn that using their own internal tools and guidance to calm down their nervous uh, system and create shifts in their brain to heal their body, that that's not great for the medical and the pharmaceutical industry, right? So, and we're, <laughs> you know, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but on, honestly, there's a lot of influence by pharmaceutical in our, in our culture. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think the thing that also got me is that you're right, what you said with, um, the fact that it's not really mainstream, but yet to us, at least that are in the neuroplasticity group or neuroplasticity, like area, um, it's, a whole different ballgame for us and we understand it and we understand the nervous system more and we understand how our bodies operate more but it's really interesting because you know there are for me personally um i know on instagram i follow a lot of uh, psychology pages and like a lot of really good therapists and they talk about the nervous system as well and for me in my recovery um i had to actually do a lot of therapy because the sensations that i was feeling due to the chronic illness i had was terrifying and so it was bringing on a lot of anxiety and it was bringing on a lot of fear and so I remember that even talking to therapists they were kind of just like oh well you know you can do some grounding exercises or you can do some grounding techniques but they never really like understood when I would talk about neuroplasticity they never really understood and were like oh you can actually heal from these chronic illnesses. They were kind of just like, oh, let's just help you mourn and grieve the person that you were. And I'm like, no, I don't need to mourn and grieve the person that I was because I can heal completely. Um, so I think even psychology has to catch up to this. And it's, it's kind of crazy though, because like you said, it's been around for almost 30 years and they still don't really, like they haven't pretty much put this out. And I mean, I'm, 
I don't like to believe in conspiracy theories, but <laughs> I think one reason why they haven't really put it out there is probably because keeping people sick and keeping people buying, you know, drugs and pharmaceuticals keeps uh, big pharma in business. And it's interesting that our own bodies and our own nervous systems have the capacity to heal most chronic illnesses. And that's not really talked about as much right now. And doctors kind of dismiss a holistic way of healing pretty much. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, just like allopathic medicine is considered the normal medicine and holistic, you know, medicine is considered like the other stuff. And it's like, well, not really. It's kind of the other way around. The stuff that was holistic and from the earth was kind of first, you know, but yeah, I think, I, I do think it comes down to a lot of that. And, and just in general, I feel like think of how many things that have been so cutting edge and profound and empowering in our life that are rejected initially. And like speaking of psychology, that's just another also area. It's, it's a part of the mind, the body, the brain. It's just, again, it's, we're just learning at rapid speeds right now so much more than we ever used to understand um, and coming to understand the, how interwoven it all is and interconnected. So I think there's a lot of really good psychologists out there though, who are catching on and who do know the truth. And um, I think other ones will eventually, you know, jump on board as well. You know, what's interesting is that I actually had a therapist um, who I saw. She, I believe, has some rare uh, form of cancer and then had like chronic pelvic pain and like a bunch of other chronic illnesses. And she was kind of like the only neuroplasticity therapist I met that was like, hey, you could literally like heal this, like you can change your brain and you can heal this. And I'm like, why are, why are therapists not talking about this? Why are they just like giving you the simple cognitive behavioral therapy? Like that, that doesn't work for me. Like I need neuroplasticity and I need a different approach and they need to, I think, modify the way that they help people that come to therapy for chronic illnesses because they haven't established a sort of, um, I don't want to say, I don't think the word is compassionate, but kind of like uh, open-minded, I guess, um, new way to provide psychotherapy for people that have chronic illnesses. And um, I don't know um, if you want to kind of share some more, if you feel comfortable to share some more details about, um, you know, what kind of chronic illness you came down with and then how long your recovery has been taking you or, you know, what have you learned along the way, especially utilizing neuroplasticity. So I have been on a really long healing journey that has, that like most people with chronic pain and illness, um, go through all the physical stuff, trying everything at the doctors and then switching to holistic doctors and functional doctors and, you know, trying the alter like all the alternative routes and trying natural stuff and trying diets and, um, and so I've had healing throughout the years from certain things and then other things show up, but I've been consistently committed to doing a brain retraining program for about, um, actually yesterday was 16 months. And it's interesting because some people hear that and they have this instant, 
I guess, um, defense or disbelief, like, oh, well, you're not 100% yet, and you've been doing it 16 months. How can you stand beside it so strongly? How can you believe in it so much if you're not even healed? And it's, it's like, well, because you have to take a step back and look at the fact that I'm 40, and I did not get sick overnight. 40 years of thought patterns and behavioral patterns and, um, you know, conditioned behaviors and responses to life that got me here. So it's not an overnight fix, you know? So I'm okay with it having been 16 months and I'm okay with it taking however long it takes um, until I feel like I'm in what we consider the emerge and thrive phase where you no longer have the physical uh, sensations or elements of, um, you know, the, as a byproduct of whatever might have been happening to trauma in the brain, be it chemical, physical, or emotional, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. That totally makes sense. And it's actually really funny because I had people tell me the same. They're like, oh, well, you know, good luck. You should just take the medicine and then just like suck it up and live with it because you are going to take too long to rewire your brain and neuroplasticity (laughs) doesn't work. And it's just like not, it's not, um, I had someone I think tell me like, oh, there's not much research into it or, you know, blah, 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 all the skeptics. And what's really interesting to me is that I kind of use the same, um, word for better lack of term when someone was telling me like, um, oh, you, you're not going to be able to heal something that's a chronic illness through like neuroplasticity. Like there's no cure for this. Like, are you kidding me? And so I actually, um, because my chronic illness, I have um, disequilibrium. So it's either called persistent postural perceptual dizziness or either maldata barkman or vestibular migraines. Um, so with my chronic illness, it's basically a form of vertigo. And, um, with that, it's, I'm doing a neuroplasticity program that's specifically for vertigo and it's, it helped me so much and it helped me regain my balance and kind of retrain my brain with everything. But it's funny because I, I was frustrated and I was like, why am I not healing quick? You know, she told us in the program, like you can heal like in a matter of, you know, some people take six weeks, some people it may take, um, some people, it, it may take six months. And I was like, why am I not healing as quick as those six-week people? And so basically what I learned is that it is, it didn't take me definitely, um, you know, six weeks to get sick. And it, it, it happened. I mean, it, it came on overnight, but it was years and years of my nervous system being taxed. Mm -hmm. And, um, I understood that finally, when I was learning about the neuroplasticity process and learning about the years and years of my, um, nervous system that was taxed, that endured childhood trauma that was on fight or flight consistently. So that's when I said to myself, oh my God, (laughs) all my, cause I'm 24. So I was like, oh my God, all my 24 years of life. I've been riding this, like I've been going full speed and my body's finally telling me, Hey, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) So it was something that I came to accept. And I said, you know what? My body will heal when it is ready to heal. I will get the hang of this when it's time for me to get the hang of it. I'm not going to rush it because rushing obviously is like 
the opposite of healing. You're not going to get yeah. it if you're trying to rush your healing. Um, healing is, is not linear. Some days you wake up great and some days literally feel like you're back to square one. And so I'm totally not against medication either. Medication can help, especially when it's super distressing symptoms. But I'm grateful for the fact that neuroplasticity helps us literally rewire our nervous system and our anxiety response. Because basically, most chronic illnesses, what they are is pretty much just limbic, limbic system dysregulation. Like our fight or flight is turned on consistently. Mm-hmm. So when we're able to turn on our growth and repair system, our body starts to naturally heal. You know, you feel more grounded into your feet. You're not living into your head. You don't have intrusive thoughts. You don't have all this stuff that feels like you're out of breath. You know, you feel like you are present in the moment and like nothing else matters in life pretty much. Absolutely. And it's so important um, to also not put that stress and pressure on yourself to heal in a certain timeline because, you know, healing there's not, for one, there's not a one size fits all. There's, there's not, like there's not one size fits all. This is the solution for every person to heal. And we're not all on the same timeline. You know, we all come into this experience with completely different pasts and histories and completely different traumas, emotional, physical, chemical, that brought us to that point of this um, chronic fight or flight that we're stuck in. And So healing might look one way for you, and it might look different for me. Yes, neuroplasticity-based, but still very different, and the timeline to to get to that Emergent Thrive is going to be different because we're coming in with such different nervous systems and different um, traumas and different experiences. So it has to, we have to allow, you know, ourself the space to to give the body whatever time it needs, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's so important to be super patient with your body and give it whatever time it needs because stuff like this is not easy. (laughs) (laughs) Healing from a chronic illness is not easy. And anyone that tells you that it is, it is absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. I've never heard anyone say it's easy. I hear all the time and I really 100% believe this. It's simple. The things that we have to commit to doing are simple, but it's not easy, you know, but like what in life that's rewarding and worth it has ever been easy. There's thing, you know, it, there's always going to be a, a challenge. And I, and I think that's part of the thing too, with, um, why some people don't stand beside, um, this method for healing or people who are just not interested in doing it because it is hard to show up and do the repetitive things for yourself every single day, but that's how you heal in neuroplasticity. I always say in all the time. It's not, you don't get to just do one big thing and you're better. It's the little things you do every day that yield the biggest results. And, and that's hard for a lot of people. It's hard to show up every day, especially when you have a limbic system that loves to keep you in the known and the familiar. So you're trying to make these subtle changes and your limbic system's like, watch out, watch out, alert, alert, things are changing. This feels scary to me. I don't like this. Let's go back to where we used to be. You know, I mean, it's, it's the same for any time we want to change um, any habit to create a new positive one or to eliminate a habit that was no longer serving us. You know, it's, it's, it's simple, but never easy. 
Yeah, exactly. They're, they're really simple steps, but they're not easy. And I think the hardest part is unlearning everything that we have learned in life and unlearning the typical um, way that society is ran. It's such a go, go, go way of living that you never enjoy the present moment. You never get to rest truly. Yeah. And isn't it so beautiful too? Like, I don't know, anytime that I'm really struggling or having a hard time or, you know, my limbic system is throwing a fit and I don't want to do my, my, um, my daily commitments. I always go back to reminding myself how lucky am I that I have these tools, that I have this information and that I was blessed with a mind that was curious and open to possibilities and coming into this um and into this possibility the fact that i have these beautiful tools that i get to use that i can actually use my mind to shift my brain to make my mind better and to make my whole life better yeah absolutely and i mean i'm i'm really grateful for it too and i'm thankful because it's like it's hard, man. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's so hard, but I'm so thankful. It is a way of restructuring how you look at things. And also, for example, I'll use an example that um, the lady from my neuroplasticity group uh, uses. She just became a mom. And so she said, you know, some days my baby is throwing a fit. He's waking me up at four in the morning. He's being a total nightmare pretty much like he's being a total nightmare it's stressing me out I'm losing sleep but then I also can change my perspective on it and be like you know how how blessed and thankful am I at the fact that I get to hold this child that's half me and half the person I love and that I have the ability to breastfeed it and I have the ability to nurture it and I have the ability to give this person my love and that this child literally needs me to survive and depend on me to survive. You know, you, you can look at it in that way and like such a loving and, and tender and like getting so much kindness from it. And I think those words, especially like self-compassion, love, kindness, tenderness, gentleness, I think that's what is needed whenever you're um, healing from a chronic illness and using neuroplasticity because a lot of the time, a lot of people won't get it. And I'll just say this, you know, to anyone that has a chronic illness that is listening and is wanting direction, you're going to have a lot of people misunderstand you. You're going to have a lot of people think that you're being selfish or, you know, upset at you because you can't go out and do the things that you want to do during the time that you're healing. But just think of it as a cocoon phase, like you're about to be a beautiful little butterfly reborn in a whole lot healthier nervous system, whole lot healthier brain. And you're also learning, this is a time of self-exploration. You're learning about a lot about yourself and what you want and what you don't want. Because I learned that you know, my, my family would hold like family parties and they would do barbecues. And then when I wasn't feeling good, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm missing out on family time. You know, I want to go to spend time with them, but I just, I, I had chronic fatigue. I couldn't even get out of bed. So I was like, I can't believe I'm missing family time with them. This makes me so sad, blah, blah, blah. But then I thought to myself and I said, you know, when was the last time you had quiet time and you just laid down in your bed and you just read a book? Yeah. And you just took that time for yourself. When was the last time that you got to know yourself? When was the last time that you didn't feel guilty for only taking time for yourself? 
And that to me was like, wow, you know, I, I didn't think about that. And so that night instead, and I remember I told my neuroplasticity coach, I said, I really want to go spend time with my family. Like I literally am so upset because I feel like this stupid chronic illness is taking my life away. I miss my life the way it used to be. And she said, well, if you really wanted to go spend time with them, you would, but your body is telling you different. Your body doesn't want that. Your nervous system doesn't want that right now. Your nervous system wants you to be quiet. It wants you to retreat and it wants you to rest. And I think after the 25 years or 20, sorry, 24, I'm already giving myself another age, <laughs> the 24 mm -hmm. years of life that you have lived, your body's telling you, Hey, I would like to relax now. Yeah. And it honestly changed my life in the way where I couldn't even really get mad at people anymore. Like, I'm not saying, because I also know um, when, when I was healing, like a lot of stuff that was spiritually bypassing kind of helped me when I was healing. But um, now that I'm at this point, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, bypass your emotions or spiritually bypass your emotions. Each emotion that you have serves a purpose. But now with like anger, especially, or something that I know is going to dysregulate my limbic system. I'm like, eh, like, is, is it that important? If it doesn't matter, then why am I going to give it attention? You know? And it's totally changed my perspective and my relationship with people and what I think is important in life and what's not. And I, let me tell you me working the corporate job that I had with the title, with the money definitely was not what my body wanted. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Often. Yeah. I mean, I always say that healing is really just this self-love journey and it's just this opportunity for us to, um, for the universe to help reshift us, uh, onto a path that guides us more into our true and authentic self, because maybe we got a little lost. And so I, that's how I look at it as all of the actions that I choose to do are acts of self-love every day that I get to do for myself. Um, and something I wanted to say about what you just said is regarding like the emotion. Um, I think something that I talked to one of my friends a lot about is to realize and recognize the difference between a real raw emotion because there's a situation occurring that elicits that emotion versus an emotion that might be a learned behavior, like a pattern, like an emotional addiction as uh, like Dr. Joe Dispenza would explain it. And I think it's really important to distinguish the difference because say I have something happen, that's a really big deal. And you know, like I have a loss um, in some capacity and I'm experiencing grief. Okay, that's a real emotion and I need to honor that and I need to allow myself to feel knowing that as long as I don't attach a story to it, that grief will pass. But in the midst of feeling that grief, I have the power to still make a choice to intermittently change my state. So I can be in grief, but I can also choose to use neuroplasticity um, techniques to elevate my mood or to create a change in my state that actually affects my physiology so that I don't stay stuck there. And noticing when emotions come up, like how you said, oh, I'm feeling angry about this. Do I really need to? Is it worth it? Sometimes we just have like emotions that are part of our patterns that we get to be like, oh, 
I only feel that emotion because it's kind of my pattern. And I might've been stuck in this like emotional addiction of frustration or, you know, um, judgment or something. And those are the the times that we get to rise above, um, above the emotion, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I'm actually happy that you mentioned Dr. Joe Dispenza because um, I've had my pros and cons about him. <laughs> so um, I'm very happy that you mentioned him because he was a huge um, help in the beginning of my healing journey. But actually, um, he taught, you know, he taught me a lot about neuroplasticity, about the way that neurons fire, about like how we can heal a bunch of chronic illnesses and about our nervous system and how it's pretty much the world's best pharmacy in the world. And um, I completely love him when it comes to neuroscience, when it comes to the nervous system, when it comes to learning about what's going on in our brains and our bodies and how we can change our state and emotional regulation, especially heart coherence. I think um, for me, when my heart and my gut are in alignment, and my head stays out of it, I, I know that I'm going down my path and I know I'm yes. doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's nourishing and that feels very grounding for me. Um, but I did have a little bit of a, a tizzy with him when it came to um, like the spiritual stuff. Because for, for me personally, spirituality is huge for me and spirituality helped me a lot in the process of healing. And um, I think I've come to kind of change what my beliefs were with spirituality when I first began my healing journey as to where I am now. And um, with Dr. Joe Dispenza, I know he believes in the law of attraction and all that stuff. And for me, I kind of don't. Um, I find it a little harmful for people that may be healing. Um, I don't know about you. What If you're comfortable speaking about it, where does your spirituality kind of stand in the healing journey? Well, to speak, okay, so to speak regarding Dr. Joe, I know all about this um, um, kind of conflicting beliefs. And so what I see happen is I think that sometimes people, thought leaders um, in different industries, they have a message that they're trying to convey and share. And sometimes, in my opinion, I think that the message gets misconstrued or taken very matter-of-factly um, rather than kind of looking at a... Um, a bigger type of picture or idea of what's trying to be conveyed. And so I totally get, okay, so so many, and when you think of the law of attraction, so many people take this so matter of fact, like, oh, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to visualize that I have this Ferrari and it's red and I have this like, this specific boyfriend and this specific relationship. And I'm going to have this kind of job, like, you know, all the material stuff and the things. And and it, and it and I don't believe that when I think that sometimes the message gets misconstrued that way, and sometimes certain people who convey that message might come off that way. But when I think of it, I think very differently because I believe that um, I don't believe that I can sit there and create necessarily and manifest all of those things because I visualize it and think it and imagine it and feel myself having it. Because as we all know, I am not alone in this world. I am energy and I am um, in relationship with all other energy and all energy affects all energy. So I can't sit there independently to manifest this when there's so many other factors of energy playing a role. But what I can do is I can, I can visualize and 
create a change state in myself that might help me to create a life that I desire. So that doesn't mean, so when I look at it, I don't look at it as I'm going to manifest specific tangible items as much as I'm creating and um, a state within me, I'm creating habits and patterns and beliefs within me that helps me to align more, to call in different experiences into my life, if that makes sense. So I can, the only thing I can do, if I want this beautiful conscious partnership someday, I can't sit there and visualize and manifest and create this guy. I can only create the woman I would want to be and need to be in order to support that type of relationship and he may or may not show up and that's okay. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I'm actually happy that you mentioned it that way because, um, what's funny is that I think the law of attraction does get misconstrued a lot and the law of attraction for some reason gets used for victim blaming. And I've heard, I mean, the way I've heard it is that, um, people with chronic illnesses or even terminal cancer have been told, Oh, you're manifest or you manifested this illness upon yourself or, um, you know, your vibrations or your thoughts were like too low. So you manifested this entire illness upon yourself and you brought it upon yourself and you create your reality. And I think for me, I kind of had a bad taste in my mouth from the law of attraction from the start when I started hearing a bunch of stuff like that. And, um, I actually, when I was listening to Dr. Joe Dispenza, he does go into manifestation and he does talk about the law of attraction and he does say like, you know, you can, you can create, you're the creator in your life. You can create the life you want. But I also then, because I like the psychology aspect of things, I also said to myself pretty much, well, that's not entirely the case because there's also a lot of factors that come into play. You know, you can't tell someone that may be living paycheck to paycheck, that may be struggling to put food on the table for their kids, that may be um, an immigrant, unfortunately, and doesn't have all the like healthcare rights or necessities available to them. You can't tell them that they can manifest whatever life they want if you know there's actual systems in place that don't allow us to all have the same privileges. Does that kind of make sense? It does, exactly. And it totally ties into exactly what I'm saying, which is when we focus on more of the material aspect of the life we want, then it kind of, there's so many faults. But when we look at it from an internal perspective of if I want a life if I want to feel peace, peace is not contingent on anything outside of myself. It's an internal choice. It's an internal feeling, right? To, to feel peace despite what's happening in the world, despite what's happening all around me. Um, so I look at that as the manifesting as more about the states that I get to create within. And, and, um, and I'm so glad you brought up about how it can be very victimizing is, is re, uh, as far as when you say, oh, it kind of can really be, it can be really hard if people are, if some people are conveying the message in the wrong way. Like if you tell someone, oh, you manifested your illness. And it's like, well, if you, if you take that matter of factly, that again is so harsh because now you have this person like, I didn't want this illness. I didn't ask for this. I didn't sign up for this. And it's not matter of fact. It's like, it's, it's saying, hey, listen, your current state, where you're at, your illness, your disease, whatever it is that you have right now is a 
is purely a manifestation of your conditioning and programming, which is no fault of your own. That's not your fault. It's not about fault. Like our, our lives and where we're at today. And like, for me, what I say I know that all of my illness and sickness is a direct manifestation of my conditioning. That's not my fault. But now I'm empowered because now I have a choice to choose different. And I have the tools through neuroplasticity and some other tools that I love to use. So it's not that I made myself sick. It's that all the the muck and the conditioning and the behaviors and patterns that I learned only because of my body, you know, because of whatever upbringing I was a part of and the traumas I had, my nervous system's goal was to keep me safe. So it did whatever it had to do to help me feel safe at the time. Unfortunately, it didn't serve me into my adult life in so many ways. So it's not that I manifested the illness, but yes, I'm a byproduct of my past. And now I'm empowered to make a difference in my future. And, and, and yeah, it's, we are creators, but we're not pure creators. We're co-creating. So that's where it's like, I am a creator, but I'm a co-creator, co-creating with the universal, you know, cosmic energy, co-creating with you, co-creating with every other person on this planet, every animal, every plant. So so it's so yeah it's so much bigger than just like I can't go around and just make all the specific things happen there's you know because I also believe in just kind of uh I think that some things are here because we're like I think so many things happen in our lives because it's all set up and designed to help us evolve at a soul level in some capacity if we so if we're if we're ready and able to take that on I hope that makes sense no, of course. I was actually getting goosebumps when you were talking because <laughs> I resonated so much with that. And oh. you know, I feel like you and I have a similar way of looking at it. And it's really interesting because it's like, the more I come across people that have chronic illness, the more they're thinking just like me. So it's actually really interesting and really awesome to be a part of, a, I guess, you know, a community, even if you come across someone that similarly has some sort of chronic illness, because I feel the same exact way um, when it comes to the law of attraction. It was used very harshly uh, to me. You know, I was uh, very hurtful, especially when I technically spirituality right now, it's a whole new age movement and, it, and it's considered new age spirituality. And there's stuff like angel numbers and law of attraction and um, Akashic records or stuff like that, or five dimension and 5D consciousness, like all this kind of terminology that's kind of thrown around. And for me, I like to stick to the evidence and to the science. So um, some of that doesn't resonate with me. So whenever I kind of have to turn away from new age spirituality or some concepts of it, um, I feel very guilty for some reason, because I feel like that community makes you feel like you're doing it wrong or you're doing your healing wrong if you're um, shunning some parts of it away. And especially the term being used right now currently is, you know, you're in your ego. So anything that you do, oh, you're in your ego or your ego is your enemy. And you're um, like, if there's some part of you that should not be integrated with your soul and be reprogrammed pretty much. And so with everything that you said, I feel the same way. I feel like, you know, my illness was not my fault. What happened to me was not my fault. The childhood trauma that I have, 
the uh, upbringing that I have, all the difficulties that I went through, it wasn't because I was vibrating at a low, you know, frequency. It wasn't um, that there was anything that I did. And also even kids that have illnesses, kids that are born with Down syndrome, like they weren't vibrating at a low frequency. So they definitely didn't attract it either. Like, I think it's, that it's, I think it's having nuance and critical thinking to these kinds of terms because yes, they can be very helpful when it comes to healing, but it's, it's crucial to kind of differentiate, you know, what, what's realistic and what's not. And, um, I had this, uh, chat with Lindsay too, when I had, um, my podcast episode with her, um, about, toxic positivity and how that also may not be helpful to us in our healing journey. So pretty much what Lindsay and I talked about was, you know, taking what feels right and then leaving what doesn't. And yes. so um, I had, I actually had a, a psychic once tell me, um, cause I have OCD. And so for me, it's like the ruminating thoughts, uh, doctors gave me generalized anxiety disorder, like depressive disorder, like all, all the diagnoses, you name it. And, um, I remember when I went to a psychic because I was in a really difficult place in life and I kind of wanted guidance and I was still into like the whole like new age spirituality, the psychic kind of used my intrusive thoughts and like these made up scenarios in my head against me and was like, well, you know, you really don't want to think that because if you keep thinking that scary scenario, you're going to manifest it because thoughts are powerful. So just really stop thinking about it. Like anytime it comes into your head, just stop thinking about it right away and push it down. So you don't manifest that. And I was like, what in the world? And I was like, this is so hurtful because I thought to myself, what if like God forbid a rape victim comes to her and says, Hey, I don't, I'm afraid of getting sexually assaulted again. You know, I have scary intrusive thoughts about this happening to me again. And if the psychic tells her, Oh, well, don't think about it that way. You don't manifest it. So it doesn't happen again. You know, that's when I kind of drew the line with new age spirituality. And then also, I guess, redefined it for myself and took it to myself and said, I am a co-creator. I do co-create with everyone around me and I am not the only thing that creates my reality systems in place, create my reality too. my skin color creates my reality too. you know, the amount of money that I have helps co-create the reality too. There's so many things that you have to take in mind that produce the reality that we live in, but my internal state is something that I can manage, something that I can change, something that I can not um, let society or outside standards define, you know, because I feel like nowadays, um, especially when you try to integrate back into society after you've been cocooning for some time trying to heal a chronic illness, uh, it's difficult because you can get caught back into the repeating stressful patterns and back into the go, go, go type of living. And when you come out of honestly healing and rewiring your brain and seeing things for what it is and finding your soul purpose, finding the things that make you happy, finding the things that give you that reason to live, that spark, you realize that it's not for the money. You realize that it's not for the house. You realize that it's not for that corporate job. You realize that it's, for me at least, was I enjoyed literally sitting out in nature with my partner, the person I love the most, with a cup of tea and just enjoying listening to the birds. That was my bliss. And I, I, I didn't care about 
a Maserati. I didn't care about having a big house. I didn't care about the fact that I probably had like $100 only in my bank account, you know? I, as long as my needs were met and I was able to eat and I was able to, you know, have my basic needs and have enough to just survive, the rest was history. If I could just go to the beach with my loved one and just sit and just cuddle or have a cup of tea or cuddle with my dog and just actually relax and literally just not worry about what everyone else likes to worry about. That was my bliss. Mm-hmm. Isn't that liberating too? Oh, like, yeah. Don't you just feel lucky that you got to that place? Yeah. Something that I ask myself all the time, all the time, and it's not perfect. I'm, I'm a work in progress learning, but I constantly come back to this question is anytime I'm holding a belief or I'm you know, toying with the idea of a belief, or I'm curious about something, I always ask myself, does this empower me? Does this empower me? Does this belief empower me? Because if the belief empowers me, then it's probably a belief I want to hold on to. And if it disempowers me, let it go. I let it go with the wind because it's like, if that's your belief, awesome, but I'm going to be empowered. You know, I'm going to choose the empowered route. It's kind of like, you know, there's always naysayers and you hear people, oh, oh, you can't think away this. Well, you can't think away anything, but you can definitely retrain your brain and heal. And if somebody else doesn't want to believe that, good on them. That's great for them, but I'm going to choose an empowered belief because when I can hold the belief that I have the power to heal and that I'm a self, like that we're all able to self-heal when we can set up the environment to support us. I feel like that's super empowering and I'm going to hold that belief. If I can hold the belief that I'm a co-creator and that I am in charge of my destiny purely based um, from a, a state, you know, from like my internal state, then I hold the belief that I can, I can co-create my internal state. Um, so that's just what I focus on is it does this empower me. And if it doesn't empower me, I let it go. Amen. Honestly, I got goosebumps listening to that. Again. Amen. <laughs> Honestly, I'm so, 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 so thankful that you shared this with me because I feel like I needed to hear that honestly. Um, but I, I a hundred percent agree with you, honestly, like you have, we have a platform. We thankfully are trying to do something to spread awareness and to help other people that are suffering and that are struggling with chronic illnesses. And it's, it's no fun. Like I remember that when I, when it first started, I was searching the internet, like everyone else probably does like, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, what are these symptoms? Oh my God. People are saying I'm dying on Google that there's no cure. And then on top of that, they also that um, there, there's also these support groups, these support groups that honestly don't are nothing but like they're not supportive at all. They're not conducive to your healing. They're not supportive at all. And I, I, I understand that, you know, they're all looking for answers too. But the support groups that I found for my chronic illness were like, oh, does anyone know like what medicine takes it away? Or does anyone know if there's a cure? And people were telling horror stories of how long they live with it and how long they had it. And I told myself literally in the beginning, I was like, there is no way that I'm a 24 year old and that this is going to be the rest of my life. I was, Oh, hell no. Yeah. I was so active and I was, I loved working out. I was so active. I worked out. I, 
lived a fast-paced life. Like like I said, I, I graduated college. I um, had a great job and I was working 50 hours a week while still going to college full-time and taking 18 units. So no wonder my nervous system sat my butt down and literally said, no more. Now it's time for you yep. to heal. And um, I think it's it's something that I think everyone in the chronic um, illness community needs to hear and pretty much um, listens and gets told like, hey, it's okay if this happens. I understand it could possibly take away everything that someone may have worked for, you know? Sorry, that's my roommate's She's streaming, screaming on her game. Um, but um, I think it's, it's important for us to be able to tell people you're not alone just because yeah. your life is changing, just because your circumstances are changing. Doesn't mean that your life is like a total dooms and like it is, that's it, it's catastrophe land, like you're done, like you're never gonna live your life. I think this, and this is not me trying to um, bypass because everyone can add whatever meaning they want to their diagnosis and their chronic illness. But I'm saying that I think it really helps you figure out who the hell you are when you do get sick because it's, it's a journey. It's a journey of self-discovery and soul discovery, I think. Absolutely. And isn't it also, it's empowering because, okay, I started this work because of physical symptoms, right? But now it's like, to me, the drive, the passion, the desire comes from knowing that it's not just about curing a physical symptom anymore. It's about so much more than that. It's about, I actually can heal. I can heal so much of inside of me, in my mind. I, I can, I can actually create and change shifts in my, in my state, in my, you know, mental being. I can create a healthier platform to show up in relationship in a different way to, you know, create stronger, better connections to, to be more of the me I'm supposed to be. And I feel like I hear a lot of people say, what drives them to do this kind of work is desperation. And it might've been the physical symptoms that were, that created so much desperation for us to do the work. And I feel really grateful in that regard, because would the mental stuff have been enough, you know, is the question I ask often, because there's so many people who have so many opportunities and ways they could heal, but they haven't reached a point of desperation where they're willing to do anything. And I think that's the big difference. And, um, yeah, I, I, I know my dad asked me one day, he's like, honey, I just don't understand. I, I wonder why you got all these sicknesses and, and no one else in the family really seems to. And I told dad, oh, dad, don't be fooled. Pretty much everybody has mind-body conditions. Everyone has something that they probably could heal from. It's just it's just not surpassed their threshold, right? Like I said, the difference is that like, what I was going through surpassed my threshold and it made me set out on a mission to find a solution because I knew intuitively that there was more to this life and that I deserved and was capable of feeling better than I did. And so, you know, I feel like it was a huge catalyst that um, helped me on a journey that's so much, like you said, it's so much more than physical healing. It's truly mind, body, and soul. Yeah, it's truly mind, body, and soul. And that's actually, I asked myself that question that your dad asked uh, you because I was like, 
why the hell am I the one to get everything? And I'm only 24 and you guys are like 40 in upper forties, early fifties. You guys eat whatever you want. You guys have drank a lot all your life. Like I even have smokers in my family and I'm like, what the hell, man? Like <laughs> this does not make any sense. The girl that was the most active and the girl that was quote, the more responsible, the perfect little girl, you know, the one that went to college, the one that did this, the one that made mommy and daddy happy, the people pleaser, the one that got the degree, that uh, had the good job, that had the money, that had, you know, her own stuff. Why is, why is that the one that ends up sick? And Oh, because you know why, right? Now. <laughs> yeah, now I know. You, have you read anything from Dr. John Sarno? Have you ever read any of his work? No, I've actually never heard of him before. Oh, he's a pioneer in mind-body syndrome. Like, he really was the pioneer. He was, like, one of the main guys, besides Freud. Freud? Is that how you say it? um, Dr. John Sarno was the one who literally was like, uh, hello, this is from the brain. This, anything. He's the one who realized that almost anything chronic was from the brain and was... Um, not going to be solved from a physical perspective. This he's he's old. He's passed away now. He lived a long, great life, and he was he's a huge pioneer in the mind body syndrome. And so, I mean, and I look at like limbic impairment as a mind body syndrome. It's it's one and the same to me, just different verbiage. And and um, everyone has something. Like again, it's just what's what's in there. What it hasn't surpassed their threshold. You know, I mean, there's so many people who walk around in this world with IBS and IBD, you know, people who have a laundry list of quote unquote food sensitivities, people who have weird sensitivities to like temperatures or just different things that, or like allergies, people who have allergies and take pills every day for their whole life. It's just the difference that they haven't yet recognize that it's that there's a a mind component they still very much believe it's physical and it hasn't bothered them enough yet to need to make more change you know that coupled with when you read anything on dr john sarno he literally has a list of all the characteristics that he most commonly found to be associated with chronic pain and illness being perfectionism the goodism the people pleaser the type a type t like need to go go do do you know with the achiever the um, person who puts the pressure on themselves i mean it's it's so classic that there's a very distinct personality that usually ends up with the worst of it Oh, girl, everything that you just said, the people pleaser, the type A, the workaholic, that was me. <laughs> so, <laughs> that keyword that was in your past, right? And now you get to create and craft this completely different um, you. And it's it's funny because I made a post recently and it talked about how how often we grip like who we are, you know, I always hear people defend these parts of themselves. And I always say that's a key indicator that, that that's actually not your true self that you're defending. It's a personality, which is most personality is most of our personality is made up of conditioning. And so noticing when we're defending something um, as who we are, it's like, maybe this is a great time to take a step back with curiosity and say, why am I defending this? And is this really who I am? Or is just or is it just a learned behavior? Is it just who I've become as a byproduct of my upbringing and culture and society and friends and family? And do I, and is this, is this part of me worth defending and, and gripping? And is it worth the, 
the illness that I feel, the sickness, the discontent, the dis-ease in mind and body, you know, it's so good to just step back and ask, do I want to grip those? Do I want to be that person forever? Or can I make some changes? Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's really nourishing. I guess that's, that's the word I think that is to describe the healing journey and um, the recovery journey is nourishingly bringing you back to who your true self is. Cause I think all what chronic illness has taught me is a self, I wouldn't say self-discovery, but a, a road back home to me because it's a road back home to who I really am deep down inside in my core and who my soul really is and who I actually want to be in my life. And not this external, um, like facade, I would say that we all put up to try to please other people and please one another and please our moms, please our dad, please our bosses. It's like, why? It's so exhausting. And um, I literally learned that. That was one of the key first things I learned when I was healing was that the personality that I put on. And I mean, just to give a little backstory, it's, it's difficult for people to even to arrive to that conclusion though. I, I do want to say that people that come to that conclusion of, Oh, the way I was raised and who I believe I think I need to be is actually making me sick. It takes a lot to come to that level of awareness because for me personally, I was, um, I have a backstory being raised by a narcissistic mother and, um, also being in a really toxic narcissistic relationship that I just got out of thankfully earlier this year. And so all of that, and then having a toxic work environment, I was in a really toxic, um, like workaholic environment where I dealt with a lot of rich people and knowing how they can be and very entitled. And I was a manager and it was just so much going on on top of me also being a student and trying to graduate that I literally was in the perfect storm for a chronic mm-hmm. illness. Yep. And I tell that to anyone I see now, especially anyone I see stressing about their job. I'm like, listen, the money can come and go. The job is going to come and go. Everything is going to come and go. What cannot come and go is your health. And this job is not worth your health that issue that you're worrying about is not worth your health. I understand worry is a natural part of the human experience, but when you literally understand that your health is suffering because of how much you worry, you then start literally, even like the worst case scenarios, you just start letting them go. You're just like, whatever, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Because at the end of the day, you could be literally in a divorce situation with a lawyer and with high, you know, intense anxiety. But as long as you have that calm and centered compass and internal state, everything else is fine. You start seeing that everyone else is reacting on autopilot. But when you have control of your nervous system, oh my God, it's liberating. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, and that's the thing about neuroplasticity is it, it's tools, you know? Now I know if I start noticing my mind go into like a loop or rumination, I have fantastic tools to distract me and take me out of that space. And every time I do take myself out of that space, I'm actually creating, you know, and strengthening neural pathways that support 
the the me I want to be. Um, something that you were when you were saying about coming more into yourself, I was going to tell you. I always say the word remembering that life, our entire life purpose is just to remember who we are. Just remember who I am, who I was born as. Yes, and I think um, a good indicator that I've learned for that is watching um, my little sister when she was growing up. Like watching kids grow up just in general, they're so innocent and like so just they care about themselves. You know, that's the only thing they care about. Obviously, as adults, we understand that um, we have to live in a society and that we have to care about other people, not just ourselves or not kids anymore. But it's really interesting to see how children are actually like the best example of what it means to self-love and what it means to prioritize the self and the body and their well-being. Because if they're tired, they'll say, okay, it's time for me to go take a nap. I don't care what anyone else says. Mm. I'm tired. I need to go take a nap. <laughs> or yeah. if they need to go to the bathroom. They'll say, hey, I need to go to the bathroom. This is an emergency. My body needs me to do this. Like this is now. And it's crazy that the more we grow up and the older we get, the more we forget those things, the more we forget the self-care and we care more about pleasing others. And it's, there's a, I think there's a good healthy balance. That's why I really like journaling. Um, it's something I incorporated into my brain retraining and it's uh, expressive writing and I'm giving my inner child a voice and allowing her the space to come out and come forward and um, in any way she needs to express what needs to be expressed from anything in my past, any traumas, uh, any current stressors, or even the personality things. Like when she's like, hey, it fucking sucks sometimes being somebody who wants everything perfect. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of weight for me to carry, you know? Um, I like to be able to give her that voice because it you allow that that voice to come out and you allow the feelings to be expressed and experienced and then they actually like they lose the potency they don't hold that grip over you they just whew, they disappear you feel lighter Sorry. and i was going to say i use it um as a form of incremental training so i don't know i know that we're in different neuroplasticity programs. I don't know if you do incremental training in yours, but I use it as a form of incrementally training to remind and teach my brain that, um, that these emotions, no matter what emotions they are or how intense they are, that they don't have to be scary anymore. You know, it's really interesting. What I was going to say that I do for my um, neuroplasticity training is that I don't know if you've heard of um, EFT, the tapping, the freedom technique. Yes, I use EFT a lot. Me too. So I start doing EFT and I cannot tell you the moment I start doing EFT, I start crying. Like I mm. just start bawling and everything comes up and I'm like, oh my God, this is too much to feel and I don't know what to do. <laughs> but I just like let it all just come up and rise up out of my nervous system and let it out because it feels like what's happening honestly on your journey to healing from anything 
is a regurgitation of pent-up emotions, pent-up stress, pent-up traumas, pent-up like rages, all of that is just coming up into the surface. And your body is saying, I need to get this out. I need to get this out because I need to create buoyancy and I need to create more room and resiliency in this nervous system to be able to heal this body because you're carrying years of gunk that I can't handle anymore. You need to get these emotions out. You need to literally get it out. And I remember I saw um, a post on Instagram by a psychologist. I forgot her name. I'll totally have to look her up. But I remember I saw, um, she's one of my favorite therapists to follow. And she pretty much put a post saying, what chronic illness pretty much is, most chronic illnesses are pent up emotions. That's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. And people won't believe you. You go to a doctor and you say, Hey, I know it's it's pent up emotions, and they'll be like, "Ha ha, yeah, okay." <laughs> they'll like want to just test whatever area it is that it's hurting you, and it's like, "Oh, I have chronic pain," and they're like, "Oh, like there must be something wrong with your elbow, or there must be something wrong with this," or it's like, "No, it, it's coming from my nervous system. It's it's my brain," and they're like, "No, no, no." They they don't like addressing the mind body connection, and it frustrates me so much, especially with Western medicine. That's like literally the only thing that frustrates me with Western medicine is that like, come on, you guys, we're supposed to be the most advanced medical system in the world, but yet we don't want to address the mind body connection. There's so many Americans that are living with chronic illnesses that it honestly shocks me that it's not talked about. But at the same time, it doesn't because Western medicine wants to keep medications going on rotation. And when people hear you can heal without medication, some of them will believe you and some of them won't. And some of them would prefer the medication and the quick fix. And then some of them, you know, it's, it's rare, honestly, I will say, if you decide to take the road less traveled and heal from chronic illness on your own and with like withstand the pain, withstand the vertigo, withstand the nausea, withstand the migraines, withstand the chronic fatigue, withstand the food sensitivities, the bloating, the like 10 naps a day that you have to take because you barely have enough energy to shower. Like if you're able to do that, I, and if you're patient with yourself and you don't give up on yourself and you know that you can heal and that it is completely 100% possible, it's worth it in the end. But it is hard as hell. I am not going <laughs> to sugarcoat it because even for me, there's days, honestly, where I'm like, I cannot handle today. I am literally losing my shit. I'm bawling my eyes out. I feel anxious for so many reasons. My toolkit is not functioning for me today. I, I just can't. Today's just not a day. And my, I'm not able to bring myself back to my homeostasis. There's, I have some of those days. And there's some of those days where I have to run to my medicine cabinet and I have to take an Ativan and I have to just call it a day <laughs> because you then get another chance to reset tomorrow, you know? So you're going to have those days where you might have to take that medication, honestly. And there's no shame in that. There's no, yeah, that's okay. Of course. Yeah. That's what it's there for. You just don't want to, you know, you're, you personally, me personally, we're just not making a choice to rely on it forever. We're taking it knowing that we're still doing the other work we need to do to overcome needing to take it forever. Right. And there was a period of time where I honestly didn't want to touch any medication because I didn't want it to suppress my brain from neuroplasticity. Um, but then I also had days where I'm like, oh my God, I'm miserable. I need to take it, you know, to just function. 
Yeah. You don't want to make stories like that in your head because again, is that an empowering belief? Like, oh, if I take this, it's going to harm, do more harm than good, or it's not going to, it's going to interfere with my healing or, you know, you get into like what you were talking about earlier with like the um, vibrational states. Like, I mean, girlfriend, I know I have definitely been sucked into that trap of being afraid of eating certain foods because of the vibration or like, you know, not taking this medicine, even though I have like a splitting freaking headache right now because of the the vibration. And, and now I just, it's so different now. It's like, no, nope, none of that empowers me. That's all bullshit. Like we do have a vibration and you know what? Most of the time I eat really nourishing foods that are high vibrational but because I want to, and, and, and sometimes I take the damn headache medicine because I want to feel good that day. And you know what? I don't always, sometimes I say, this is a great day to lay in bed and relax. And I'm just going to do that. But like, we're living in, in life and yeah, I just, I just don't let that be the, the thing anymore. Someone said something once, you know, and this was regarding, a little something a little different but it's all the same and it was like why do you choose the food she was uh her name's lisa and she she helps people with emotional eating and it was do you it's it's not what you eat it's what is the driving motion that makes you choose what you eat are you eating from a, a desire or are you eating from a place of like, are you eating the salad because you actually just really freaking enjoy the salad? Or are you eating the salad because you're afraid you might get fat if you don't eat the salad? And it's kind of like that with everything. Am I taking, choosing to take this medicine or choosing to do this thing from a place of fear or desire? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm cracking up because that was the funniest thing I've ever heard. I'm eating and it's vibrationally high. <laughs> Oh my god. I mean, yeah, no, I get it, honestly. And this is where I think I also want to draw um the line with intuitive eating. And okay, so here's I don't know if you feel the same way, but intuition and doing what feels right from your gut, like literally from your gut, from a place of nah, you know, this this feels like it guides you. You feel that nudge, you feel that push almost, not from a place of fear. Because it's easy for people to confuse their intuition with their limbic system, like guilting them and saying, do this, do this, do this. No, that's not your intuition. Your intuition comes from a place of like, you feel grounded, you feel centered. You're just like, you know what? I am feel. I don't know why, but I'm feeling this. So I just have to, it's like that have to kind of sensation. So with me, um, I remember, especially when I got um, my diagnosis, oh my God, I got thrown from doctors, like a list of migraine free foods to not eat. And like literally everything on the list that I was not supposed to eat, I was eating every single day. And I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to eat? Am I supposed to eat like a freaking leaf? Like, am I supposed to eat lettuce? Like, I don't understand. I, I need food. What am I supposed to eat? And literally, I kid you not, one of the uh, foods on there was like, you cannot eat almonds, you can't eat any nuts, you can't eat any dairy, you can't eat any meat because it has this type of um, hormone in it. And I'm like, oh my God. Like I was honestly so stressed out at the, at the list that I got that I could not eat. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm just gonna keep eating the way I've been eating because it feels good and I'm just gonna eat what feels good to me. And if it does cause me vertigo or if it does cause me some sensation, I'll try to, you know, lessen it a little bit, but I am not gonna eat like a rabbit 
for the rest of my life because I need to live in, like, I don't want to live in fear. You know, I don't want to eat in fear. I don't want to eat in expectation or shoulds. Like the more you should yourself and the more you step away from your intuition and what feels right, the more, I don't want to say abandon yourself, but you do kind of like abandon your true self and steer more away from your actual soul. And I had to learn this even with psychology and with therapists because I had therapists telling me like, oh, well, this is the appropriate way that you should react or this is the appropriate way that you should do this. And I'm like, listen, no, my stomach tells me that that's not okay. And I'm not going to pretend to be someone I'm not. And I'm not going to pretend that I want to act this way because this is the quote appropriate way that you guys think I should be acting when something's being done to me. No, I'm going to act out of my intuition. And that is it period. I don't have to explain anything to anyone because come on, if I put a set of rules and fake someone that I am, I'm not being authentic and that's not conducive to my healing. So I think following your intuition, whether it comes to intuitive eating, whether it comes to doing anything that your body, like listen to your body, don't listen to your head, listen to your body. Yeah. Yes. All that. I would say that sometimes when people are at a certain place though, um, and they're still very, uh, they still have a really high, like heightened limbic system that hasn't calmed down yet. I don't know that we're as tapped in, one, to our intuition, and two, our body can often send us false messages, right? If our brain is in uh, in fight or flight and and if it has like some learned associations, like think of somebody who has, um, who's experiencing a ton of uh, food sensitivities, their body is literally telling them to not eat X, Y, and Z because they're having reactions. But it's, that's very limiting in the sense that um, their body's just getting like a false message from the brain. And if they were able to retrain um, their brain around those foods, it, more than likely they'll be able to eat those foods again and their body would have a different experience of them. So I just think sometimes very early on, it's very hard for a lot of people to even know what their intuition is asking of them or telling them. Um, like this, the same girl, Lisa, made a great point. She said, we all there's like this hype on talking about intuitive eating, but like a lot of people are so disconnected from their intuition. How do they know what to intuitively eat? And one example she gave that I've been putting into practice that I love so much is she was like, we say we want to be intuitive eaters, but we're not listening to all the other requests that our body gives us. Like how many of us are guilty of knowing we have to pee, but sitting there at your computer saying, oh, I'll, I'll go in just a few more minutes. I'm going to send this one more email or I'm going to finish this one more task. And I had to crack up when she told me this because I was like, oh my God, I totally do that. And she <laughs> said, you're literally telling your body that this is more important than what your body's asking you to do right now. So if you can't even listen to your body when it's asking you to pee, how is your body going to always intuitively be there to support you um, about everything else? Does that make sense? I thought it was a really good information or good like advice. I'm like, all right. So I've been really Really committed to going pee right when my body tells me I have to. And that's honestly actually such a good brain retraining like exercise and such a good like, um, I guess, tool to sharpen your intuition and for your, for you to train your brain to list to have your brain tell you, hey, your body's saying something, go do it. Like it's, it's such a good retraining tool, honestly, because I was doing the same thing. I, that was actually one of the things that um, my neuroplasticity group also said and was like, you know, you have to listen to your body. And that means if your body says, I need to go poop and evacuate, you need to go find a freaking toilet. <laughs> like you need to <laughs> right then and there, because your body is telling you that 
at that moment for a specific reason. Like our bodies are so smart and our bodies are literally, literally made to heal. We're made to self heal. We're made to, you know, correct any little issues that are going on in our bodies. Our bodies want homeostasis. Our body wants to be regulated and to be healthy and to live a full and abundant life. And so I have been also working on the same thing because there are times where I'm just like working on my podcast and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, you know, finish editing. Like I'm almost done. It's just 10 minutes. And then my body's like, I need you to freaking pee girl. Like I can't. Yeah. More. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When she said that I laughed so hard and I'm like, and now I still laugh at myself. Cause I'll totally notice when I go into, Oh, I'll just hold it for a second mode. And I just laugh at myself. I'm like, what's the difference if I finish the task now or in two minutes when I come back, you know? <laughs> and so it's just like, okay, I can do that. I can do that one little thing and, and start there. Yeah, for sure. And that's <laughs> the thing that I was telling myself too. And I'm like, what's going to be the difference if I take a, it's literally like 30 seconds to a minute to just go pee and then come back. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. why, why is my podcast and something that is not going to keep me alive more important than my freaking bladder exploding because I made it to not go pee, you know? Right. Exactly. Like that, it brings you back though to that, um, programming, like the, the expectation from society, the messages we get from society to ignore our needs and to ignore our, um, desires and what our bodies are telling us needs to happen right now. It's like, I remember, especially at my, my old corporate job, I remember that, um, I could not, like, I was hungry, but I could not get up and go get some food and eat whenever my body told me, hey, Valerie, you are hungry, feed me. I could not do it because I had meeting after meeting after meeting. And it's like, if I were to get up and tell my boss, hey, you know, I just got really hungry. So I'm going to go take my lunch right now. And I'm going to eat right now because my body says so. They'd be like, what? Like, <laughs> meeting scheduled. You have to train an employee. You have to do this. And so it, it's just like you need to find something that's conducive to your your body and your health and your healing and i know that some people listening to this might be like well i'm in the corporate job and it pays good and i have a family and i have kids to feed and i have totally i get it you know i'm not telling anyone to leave that job if it's obviously a survival tool that you need for your family and for yourself but maybe you could restructure the way that you lead your day because that is a possibility. There's there's no buts or no can'ts or no, you know, oh, it, it, it won't, no. It, if it's a priority to you, you will do it. You can restructure your day and you can restructure the way that you are living your day and communicate differently with your bosses, with your employees to make sure that you're centering it around your health and well-being more. Because what matters more? The fact that you have that little communication and let everyone know, hey, I'm taking time for myself more at my work because I notice that I'm getting a little burnt out or getting burnt out and knocked on your butt and having a chronic illness and then on disability as long as you need to be until you heal and losing that job that pays you so well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, again, it's, it's like, we, we do have choice. We could leave job said job. It's not just that easy. I'm not like the person that's going to be like, you always have, we do always have a choice, not always easy. Um, and so the alternative is what I can't control everything. So what can I control? I can control my state. I can control how I feel so that even in a 
in a certain environment that might seem stressful otherwise, can I get to a place where I change my internal state, which affects then how I show up? Right. Absolutely. And again, going back to the internal state that matters. And even if it means like closing your eyes, this is what I used to do actually when I was in like the uh, beginning stages of getting diagnosed, I would uh, close my office door and I would do something called a body scan. And um, some people like doing it. Some people don't. It maybe it depends on the type of um, chronic illness you actually have, actually, if it may be beneficial for you or not, because some people will have health anxiety and kind of like body scan all the time. Like they're checking every single aspect of their body to see if it hurts or if it's still there. And so that may not be helpful. But for me, um, because my chronic illness was like sensory perception, like my vision was off, um, my balance was off, I was having vertigo, I was having like, like I was uh, disoriented pretty much and dissociation, disequilibrium, like I couldn't put up and down, left and right together, everything would just kind of jungle together in my uh, like sensory system. So what I would do is I would sit in my office chair, I would close my door and for 10 minutes, I would listen to a guided uh, body scan and I would just close my eyes and put my feet flat on the floor. And then she would literally tell you like, feel your toes, pay attention to your toes, pay attention to your heels, pay attention to your ankles, your right ankle, your calf, your shin, your knee. And like when you're going through it and you're actually putting attention and intention into feeling everything, it all hits you. You're just like, oh my, like your nervous system literally goes, oh my God, like I'm relaxed. Like I'm calm. Like I feel everything now. Like I'm happy that, you know, I'm in this moment and it kind of gets your brain to shut up and it kind of brings you back into normal and balance and homeostasis. And I think, um, a body scan, you know, obviously if it's fits, fitting for you is very helpful because it brings you back into your sensory perception. So it brings you back into your body, like back into your feet and out of your head. Cause all of us live into live in our heads all the time. So I think that that was a little tool for me, especially that I would use, but you know, not necessarily to say that that's a tool to use when you're like mid panic attack either, you know? Yeah. 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 And there's so many tools, whether it's, you could do the body scan, you could literally just feel your feet on the ground. Cause I know, um, like, I don't know that the brain plasticity retraining program that I do, I don't know that they advocate for body scans. I think we actually try to not focus on sensations in our body. Um, but you know, you could do like a heart centered breathing. You could just focus on your breath. There's so many little things we can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, the heart, the breathing for me too, definitely helps. I know that putting one hand over your heart and one hand on your stomach is a great tool to get you to feel like to feel back into your body, you know, to get out of your head and to give your brain something else to focus on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. This, sorry. I know we went like on two hours of talking. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, it's been an hour and a half, so we're okay. And it doesn't bother me at all. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I'm, I think I want to kind of cut it here definitely so we can upload it for our um, um, listeners. And so it doesn't go, I know when I go over two hours, my um, MP3 kind of goes a little slow. (laughs) So, um, but I just honestly wanted to say 
thank you so, so, so much for taking the time to chat with me about this. And I cannot honestly thank you from the bottom of my heart that you're sharing your intentionality and the way that you're healing and what you do and don't believe in, because I think so many people needed to hear the words that you said today. And so many people needed to hear, um, the, you know, the fact of having empowering beliefs and the words you can heal and the words you're not stuck like this forever. And I know I personally needed to hear it as well. Cause there are days sometimes where I'm just like, hey, screw it. Like I, you know, whatever, I'll just take the freaking pill, even if it makes me feel a little better, but it's not going to heal me completely. And it's like, no, this is hard work. And it's really awesome to meet other people that are like, Hey, I'm, I'm in this with you, you know, we're in this together. And so Absolutely. I, I just wanted to say thank you so much for what you're doing. I loved listening to your podcast. Your podcasts are so empowering and it just feels like a breath of fresh air. And so I am so thankful for having you on here. And, um, you know, to all my listeners, I'm going to go ahead and put Chasmus um, information in um, the description for this podcast episode. I hope to have it up soon. And again, I just wanted to say thank you so, so, so much for coming on and letting me pick your brain and talk to you about neuroplasticity and healing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and back at you, I'm stoked. I think we had a great conversation. It's so fun. I could just, oh, I can talk about this stuff all the time. <laughs> I think you understand that. Well, this has been so much fun. Awesome. Thanks, girl. You have a good night. You too. Hey guys, thanks as always for being on this journey with me and tuning in weekly. 18 episodes in the books for 2020 and I am feeling super blessed. I look forward to being here with you next year for a whole year of learning, sharing, growing, and healing together. Let's soak in these last few days of 2020 and kick off the new year together with gratitude in our hearts and healing on the horizon. Healing, not only for ourselves and each other, but for our entire collective and our planet as a whole. So until next time, until next year, make this week great. I'm your host, Chasmith.